When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. gentlemen it is monday night and that means it's time for the wrestling inc monday night raw after show and have we got a good one for you my name is jack farmer i'm being joined by justin labar and we got the special guest star some people call him alfred but we call him this is nasty joining the group <laughs> we got a good one for you folks it's all about the draft but before we get too far into it nasty how you doing Doing great. The nasty man is here. It's good to be uh, on a Monday night. I was very excited when I got the call to come join you fellas for the big draft. So looking forward to talking about it. It was a good weekend. Big weekend for WWE. Some good, some bad. I'm sure we're all going to get into it. Good to see my day one, Justin Labar. Great to see you, Jack Farmer. I know we missed each other. WrestleMania weekend. I really wanted to see you out there in LA, but uh, you know, crazy whirlwind weekend. And it's good to see you uh, virtually. You look just as good as always. Oh, well, thank you. That's what that's why we brought you on is for the compliments. Yeah, there's a lot of people <laughs> at WrestleMania. Hard to run into to everybody there. But yeah, uh, yeah I feel like how appropriate for a draft episode of Raw that will be completely ignored, I'm sure, in a few weeks for someone from SmackDown to be on the Raw show. It just totally <laughs> makes sense. It's serendipitous. Exactly. Uh, Justin, how you been, old pal? I'm good. Or has Alfred been drafted to the Monday podcast? What's, I, mean, who, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to start. <laughs> I don't want to start rumors, but uh, no, good to see Alfred Kinoa. Uh, Alfred and I, as you say, go back day one uh, over a decade now, which is crazy. So great to have him on here. Jack, always great to see you. Your hair looks marvelous. Uh, uh, no matter if you're having camera trouble or not, it's there. Yeah. It's looking good. Uh, yeah, I'm like, I'm excited. I'm, I, I cannot remember the last time. We'd probably have to go back to like 98 that I was like, this interested in the event that is called a backlash. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. 
it, it is very it is a very uh interesting thing that backlash is possibly going to be very interesting this time around we're going to have to talk all about it but i want to say first and foremost to everyone who's listening or watching like comment share subscribe you know the deal hit us with a five-star review on apple Podcasts. why don't you it's the literal least you could do i guess a thumbs up is the least you could do but a five-star review on the apple podcast just do it already what are you waiting for anyways let's get into uh some news everybody while everyone settles in and finds their seats uh wwe producer brian road dog james on the oh you didn't know podcast said that the company has brought in a new writer to work on material for bray wyatt possibly signaling a near future return for the wwe star is in the works alfred i'd love to know your thoughts on bray wyatt and what you think it means that they're getting him a new writer potentially I hope it's good news. At this point, I've kind of tempered my expectations for what I'm going to expect out of this version of Bray Wyatt. I know they had Rob Fee come in and be his director of long-term creative, which I think is very much needed in WWE storytelling is somebody there with storyline continuity. So I don't know how that's going to affect that. But I just think I've been underwhelmed by Bray Wyatt's uh, most recent run. I think they did a great job promoting it. Obviously, it translated to ratings. I thought it was great to see him come back um, back in October. I thought they did a great job at the pay-per-view Extreme Rules. But since then, uh, I think it's been very, very flat. And it really kind of crashed and burned with WrestleMania, where both Bobby Lashley and Bray Wyatt were off the card uh, due to circumstances out of their control. So hopefully this works. I mean, they've tried a lot of things with Bray Wyatt. They've shown a lot of promise, but it's never quite delivered. So I'll be surprised if it works, and I'll be pleasantly surprised. I've always... Bray Wyatt is that classic guy that just is interesting like people he gets everyone's attention he attracts eyeballs uh he his stories are always fascinating but much to alfred's point i always feel like i never quite get the finish i'm looking for um trying to find an appropriate way to say that but you know what i mean i feel like i never quite get to the end that i'm looking for there justin i want to know what you think it means that they're getting him a new rider and also more importantly as the story says brian road dog james uh talked about this does anyone call him Brian James, you think? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, except, uh, except the missus. Um, yeah, you know, look, I, I, I'm like Alfred. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge Bray fan. I love the, the return. I love the promotion. I love, I love the way they were using Easter eggs and house shows. And uh, I, I still refuse to sell my stock, even though his stock continues to go down. I refuse to sell it because uh, I want to see it succeed. I, I I do enjoy the hocus pocus when it's done right. Um, I don't know. At first, when I when I heard Road Dog's comments, I the the the, the fee Rob Fee that that Alfred mentioned, I was wondering was Road Dog referring to him? Is he just saying, oh, that's they, they've hired us writer, but actually they hired him, you know, last mm -hmm. year. But it does sound like maybe this is somebody new or somebody in addition. I don't know what it says. You can interpret that one of two ways. Uh, it can say. This guy has got such uh, a, a, a deep creative mind that we need that we, it's worth assigning a team, a small team to him because it does need to be told long term. And there are a lot of elements that need to be coordinated, you know, from pre tapes to magic and whatever else. Or does it say 
Jesus Christ, pal, this guy is so we need one person just to sit and learn to interpret what the hell he's talking about. I don't know which side of the fence it is on this point. Uh, I hope it means a return for him. I hope whatever's been going on physically that we've been hearing about that's kept him off TV is okay. I hope his health, A, number one, is okay. Uh, I want to see this get a fair shot, but it just, I I don't know. It seems like we get off and running and then something just gets in the way, whether it's Vince's creativity at one point or another, whether it's pandemic layoffs, whether it's this uh, undisclosed issue that he's dealing with physically. Um, but, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's been untold and untapped. Uncle Howdy's hanging out there. What's Wyatt Six mean? Is he putting together a, a group? Alexa Bliss is forever linked to him like she's married to him. Uh, so uh, they, they, they might as well have a, have a prenup because they're just forever linked in their <laughs> careers. So I, there's a lot hanging here that I think could, 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 could be cashed in on. Uh, so hopefully that's, that's what this does mean is that we are close to a return for Wyatt. What happens after that, we'll see. That prenup would be signed in blood, by the way. Hell yeah. <laughs> or Mountain Dew. What <laughs> yeah, I love Bray. I just feel like they just struggle to convert from the great storytelling into how it actually plays out in a wrestling match. I feel like that's the missing link is you've got this character and all this cool stuff, but getting him in the ring is where it all falls apart. And like, why does he wrestle if he's got all this stuff? I think that was one of the powers of the undertaker not his magical powers but one of the great things about the undertaker is he was mystical but it also they were also able to find reasons for him to have matches with hulk hogan and things and of course kane and everything else it all made sense to have fights but i don't know why bray wyatt this character would fight and i think that's the yeah, hang up you know it was not it was nice this past you know once wyatt returned at extreme rules last fall the fact that they were able to limit his bumps so, you know he, he worked like what like a house show match he worked at you know the mountain dew black match at rumble but it was nice like okay you can preserve a character you you can protect a character character by not having him have matches every month i thought that was cool that was good but at the same time looking back now at the different trial runs we've had at the different iterations of bray wyatt the fiend and all of his alter egos it's kind of like they always start with a really good idea they always start with a really cool character really cool elements but nobody has any idea how the story ends nobody everybody starts writing the movie and nobody has the the final scene figured out and it's just un- very unsatisfying. And how many times, you know, again, like I said, I'm holding on to the stock begrudgingly, but I'm holding on to it. But how many times can you keep doing this until the fans start to start to just you know, completely revolt against it? As Justin say, says, Bray Wyatt is like the show Lost. Starts off great, <laughs> but then don't really know where it's going. Uh, last comment on this, Alfred. If theoretically they said, you know what, we're just bringing back uh, – original bray wyatt with the wyatt family and all that would you be cool with that or would you do you feel like that should be buried in the past i'd be fine with it at this point i mean maybe that's what they need is back to basics i was a really really big fan i too am a fan of barry i'm right there with you justin in that like i still invest in bray wyatt he's like my dogecoin where i still have dogecoin because robin Hood won't let me sell it and it just keeps going down down but i'll hold on to it Okay, I'll hold on to my Bray Wyatt side. I'm a really big fan of the guy because I've seen it work. That first iteration of Bray Wyatt is probably the closest version to a Bray Wyatt that we saw to completion that had a lot of great moments. I thought his entrance at WrestleMania 30 was great. I think you know, to, to this day, I'm bitter that he lost to John Cena at that WrestleMania. I think that might have had a lot to do with his kind of downward trend uh, from there on out. But I'd be fine with them bringing up the old Bray Wyatt as long as they tell the story. I'm kind of concerned that they did bring in a director of long-term creative, and it was kind of the same problems we had the last time around with all these nonsensical angles and storylines that everybody had to figure out for themselves. I think this is a meticulous character that might need a team of writers in order to really tell us the story. Well, and after that point, I wonder, 
you know, bringing in somebody who's controlled a long-term storytelling with him, was it to give us what we're asking for, which is the X and O's of wins and losses, ascending the booking card, or was it to plot out, hey, what can you plot out and give us that Royal Rumble that we can incorporate a sponsor with? What kind of yeah. what kind of gimmick match could we have that we like? Was it more of a business side of things, or was it more what we're, what we're asking for on the on the wrestling side of it? So you know, because if, if it's if it's the if it's that one, then he succeeded. He got him because I, apparently that ma- that match was worth a lot of money in advertising dollars. So, you know, I, I I'd be really interested to know exactly what that means. And yeah, I think maybe back to basics. Maybe going back to the original music, having him come out and have it be more of a cult thing. The biggest thing though is you just have to find new members to be that Wyatt family. I don't think you can. And I love the guy. I don't think you can bring back um, Rowan again. I love that guy, but I don't think you can. I, I think the fact that. Luke Harper, the, the man, is is deceased. I, I think that would just be right. too distracting of a reminder that you're trying to reform the Wyatt family and there's one key person missing and, and you can't book them because they are tragically not with us anymore. So I think if you could find two or three guys or girls that, that, that you can pack, you repackage or whatever that fit the bill that we would all buy into, it could be a great launching point for them and it could be a great relaunching point for Bray's career. Uh, so I would not be opposed to that being on the table of, of creative discussions that they feel like the Firefly Funhouse maybe has gone too far. You know, it's too far gone for all of us. Well, as we move on, someone who does want to lock something in is the city of Orlando. One of WWE's biggest shows uh, has, um, sorry, one of WWE's biggest shows, also the starting point of the road to WrestleMania is the Royal Rumble, and the city of Orlando, Florida, wants to host it in 2024. It's being reported that the city of Orlando has requested $850,000 from the Tourist Development Tax Sports Incentive Committee of Orange County, Florida, the longest name for a committee I've ever seen, uh, in order to make a bid for the Royal Rumble there. Justin, I see no problem with orlando but there's this part of me that's like weren't you guys in orlando for like two and a half years can't some other cities have some but at the same time i also feel like did orlando really get those shows because they weren't allowed to go at the same time Um, but still i feel like you've been there long enough let some other places have some shows yeah no but i kind of disagree because you're right they were in orlando for the pandemic but you know nobody could travel into orlando orlando is a place that i think and look the entire orlando um you know winter park that entire area of Central Florida has become, you know, the WWE headquarters of the South. Obviously, Stanford's always going to be there, but that's the headquarters of the South with Performance Center, with the amount of talent that live in that area. And I think Orlando is something they should continue. They should continue to lean into it being their headquarters of the South. Because look, Orlando, now that we're back in, in the world, you know, all traveling more than ever, as statistics are telling us, Orlando is such a huge tourist spot for the demo that they target. You know, yes, Vegas is a huge tourist spot of residencies, but Vegas, you know, you're going you're going to Vegas to, to gamble and get and get and get a little silly. I don't know if you're necessarily going, um, you know, to, to watch, uh, to, you know, to, to, to watch WWE, but Orlando is perfect with with Disney down there and all the attractions. I've long since said they need to get their physical Hall of Fame and they need to put it there in Orlando because that's a perfect a- attraction for tourism. Uh, so I think having a a, a, a a show like Royal Rumble that's one of those shows that even the most lapsed and casual fan knows the Royal Rumble, watched it sometime in their life, would even still watch it pretty cold turkey just because it's just fun and you kind of get, get told the stories as it goes. I think having a show that can uh, draw to casual fans and a market like Orlando, that's one of those. I would try to get on retainer if you could. I, I think Orlando is just such a smart city for WWE to have anything physical in. Hall of Fame, 
big premium live events because of, of the tourism of the key demo the, of the demographic that they 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 you know are sought after uh alfred i gotta put all my cards on the table here i want every show to be in la because it's where i live. <laughs> yes me too <laughs> so i want i want royal rumble to be here in la but uh do you do you think justin's got a point here about orlando or do they need to go find a new new spot he definitely does. Two things can be true because Orlando is definitely a home base for WWE. It's where a lot of the wrestlers live around that area out there in Florida. And it is a great territory for WWE, but selfishly, much like you, Jack, I want them to come back, not even to LA. I won't be specific to California. I think mm -hmm. Fresno in 2005 is the last time that they had a Royal Rumble in California. Iconic Royal Rumble where Vince tore both of his quads. Uh, yeah. So it's been almost 20 years. Since they've come back to maybe that's why they don't go back to California, but it's been almost 20 <laughs> years. And the Royal Rumble is one of the it's the only big four pay-per-view I've never been to. And I would like to go live. You know, it's probably my favorite pay-per-view. And this will be another year I'm not going because you know, out there in Florida is a bit of a hassle for me to travel and whatnot. And I felt like they were getting closer to the West Coast because I believe they did Arizona not too long ago. Doing San Antonio a couple times is great. But uh yeah, Orlando's fine. It's not very uh just kind of underwhelming because of how much time WWE spends there, but for good reason. Wouldn't that be very Vince-ish if he tore his quad when that the finish of, of Rumble went wrong between Batista and Cena? That was strike one. Yeah. <laughs> then Vince tears his quad, getting up to run out there to call the audible. That's strike two. And then he, he and then he just decides to to blame it on the. You know, he must have had a bad 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 steak, bad cow that night for dinner, <laughs> and, and it was locally farmed in California. So he blamed. <laughs> So there's like an eat it. We don't go back to California for Rumble. I could see that being a Vince thing. Those damn California cows. That's why they don't come back. <laughs> They're all grass fed here. Uh, we, <laughs> it's I, not to go off too far on a tangent, but man, what are those days before you could just get your news so quickly uh, for wrestling? That Royal Rumble when Vince tore his quads. I remember it going off there like, what happened? What yeah. was that about? Like, I had no idea. He the the show ends. He's coming out. He's sitting in the ring. What's going on here? I, I had to wait till like the next day to figure out what happened. And all night I was like, "What was that about? What was Vince doing?" Now I just pop on Twitter and find out five minutes later. It's I know you're you're all you're all soft from Twitter. I don't Very know. spoiled. I think the old way is better too, Jack, because me and my friends were watching that as a group in my neighborhood, and we just speculated the wildest theories. Like, do you think he had a heart attack? Like, you think yeah. he's gonna show up? Is he? You know, we just kind of speculated yeah. into the night, and then we had to find out the next day. Yeah, that was so great. It was fun just recklessly speculating what happened yeah. with no way of knowing what really happened. And you had the one person that they quote unquote they just know, and they're just yeah. no, 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 no. This is what happened. You like, don't know. Anyways. <laughs> Let's talk about this uh, pro wrestling show called WWE We Watched. But before we do, one more time, I just want to ask everyone to like, comment, share, subscribe, uh, copy the link, throw it into social media while you're here, five-star reviews. If you're in the chat, let us know and say hello. Uh, of course, I want to give a shout out to all the awesome people. Ricky Zaldivar, Mr. Disaster, you're a new one in here. Jeffrey Sullivan, Dream Realm Studios, Angela Townsend, Majestic Marie, Killer of Demons. We got Tutgraph. Uh, Dasimo, I've never seen you in the chat before either. That's cool to see. Bernie DC, we got a lot of new folks in here. Good fella, John Millard, Doc P. Tons of new folks in there. Good to see you. Let us know what you think of the show. And uh, if you throw in a super chat, it'll get read on the air. You guys ready to dive into this one? Let's get it. Let's just start. We're going to talk about the entire draft right at the top. So in the chat, 
Uh, let us know your answers to these questions. But uh, Alfred, you're the guest here today. So I'm going to start with you. Uh, just this dra- night two only. Let's not talk about what happened on SmackDown. Okay. Night two only, first and foremost, talk about which brand you think is the draft winner and what picks do you think made them the winner tonight? I can go uh, through it too if you'd like. I, I have them right here. Sure. I mean, I would definitely say SmackDown. I think SmackDown is a brand winner. I thought both nights, it seemed like SmackDown had a lot more groups get drafted. They had Pretty Deadly, which I thought was a huge coup. And I was very encouraged to hear that there was a pop for Pretty Deadly in terms of the live crowd on the main roster. So there's going to be a lot of excitement here. And Pretty Deadly, I don't think really needs a whole push in production in order to get over. I think they can get themselves over in any situation. So the fact that there is already a built-in uh, love for Pretty Deadly is, is a good sign. And I just think SmackDown had a lot of b- the bigger stars. You know, they had LA Knight, I think, is going to be continue to be a diamond in the rough and somebody who just gets more and more over every week. Uh, the Brawlin' Brutes they got, which is great. Sheamus, very underrated talent uh, alongside the Brawlin' Brutes with Butch and Ridge Holland. So I-, I think SmackDown, they really loaded the deck towards SmackDown. And it seems like more wrestlers, I didn't count, but it does seem like more wrestlers got drafted to SmackDown, which is weird considering that Raw is the three-hour show. So SmackDown, of course, the A show, I think they had the better draft. That's not to say that I think the draft itself was great, but if I'm looking at the rosters as a snapshot, I would say SmackDown kind of emerged as getting all the spoils. I think, to your point, I got to agree uh, on a couple of... I think as far as like if I was buying stocks and wrestlers, SmackDown, I think, definitely has the ones that are going to go up. I agree about Pretty Deadly. I've said... For a long time, I was a fan of NXT UK, so I got to see them there. And I said, even before they came to stateside, these guys are pay-per-view, premium live event level, sell ticket stars. They're just incredible. I love those guys. And I think LA Knight could be the biggest, one of the biggest stars in wrestling if they pushed him right. I think he's, I, I, you you were there, Alfred. I, I, he wasn't even on WrestleMania, but you'd hear... Yeah, like all the yeah. whole show, people just running around. Yeah, yeah. That was the thing. There's something, and I pay very close attention to that because that usually tells you who's going to really get over, for better or worse. One year it was Fandango, and that I don't think it was his fault, but the singing <laughs> of the Fandango theme was the thing that people were doing WrestleMania weekend. One year it was New Day, where everybody was doing, they were honking their horns, New Day rocks and chanting it, so that ended up being a big thing. And yes, this year, the WrestleMania darling was LA Knight, and it was amazing being in LA, hearing how loud those chants were, and very happy for LA Knight because I think he, really came back from the dead and i hope they don't screw this up because the people want it with la night yeah justin what are your thoughts do you agree that smackdown won tonight's draft and uh if not what do you think about raw's draft gave them the win well i, I do think smackdown overall you know whether you look at tonight or whether you look at the both nights i mean i think overall it's kind of interesting like alfred said it's interesting yet smackdown's the shorter show you know you have five less segments a week yeah. but they yeah. seem to look I, I think smackdown SmackDown is either they, they have, wow, some really top established stars. Obviously, having all of the bloodline is huge. Uh, but then you also have, like, the guys you want to buy in the stock for. L.A. Knight, maybe Karrion Cross. Let's not forget about it. I know the draft is technically still going on in Raw Talk, but let's just, whatever. Let's talk about, for TV tonight, Mr. Irrelevant. Cameron Grimes, long overdue to get a play on the main roster and see what could happen there. So, you know, the LWO, their draft of SmackDown, they, you know, as a faction – you know, as a babyface faction, they you got to think they're going to have at least a little bit of time with some portion of the bloodline. That's going to be huge for, you know, for them. So, you know, I, I, I think when you look at it, I think SmackDown comes away ahead of it. You know, they did the things you had to do, you know, uh, 
SmackDown gets U.S. Champion Theory because obviously Gunther on Friday comes to, to Raw. So like they did the obvious switches. You got to keep the, the the titles pretty even. Um, same with the you know with the women. Um, you know, Raw has some Raw freshened up their combinations again. Having Gunther on Raw that's going to be good to provide you know some uh, some some fresh opponents for for that mix. Um, having the New Day come over been a long time since they've been on Raw. That'll be good for Raw. Um, surprise Trish Stratus was, you know, a fourth rounder for raw. Does that mean, I mean, how regular is she truly going to be around? I mean, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty significant. I think that that's, that's, that says something. I mean, she looks great. She's in great shape, cut a hell of a promo a few weeks ago, but that's interesting that they would, uh, occupy a TV draft spot with her. Uh, that that's gotta mean, uh, something there. Um, yeah, I mean, so it, it's looking good for SmackDown, but I'm still excited for Raw moving forward because, like I said, new combinations. And, you know, again, adding to the attraction of Backlash of Saturday, uh, normally we view WrestleMania as like the, okay, everything ends there, everything starts fresh the next night. This truly does with all the different stories we have going on a Backlash and then now seeing on the following Monday when the draft results go into effect, you know, this is probably the end of Riddle, Owens, and Zayn dealing with the bloodline since all three of them are all three of those faces are going to be on Raw still, and we know all the bloodlines going to be on Friday. And you know, you look at you look at all the different combinations, and the fact that Brock's a free agent, so he can just roam wherever they need him. Uh, this truly does feel like this Saturday is going to be the end, the finale of a lot of stories that have been long running, and we are going to get a true reset next Monday. One of the things that I took away from Raw's draft, and I talked about buying stock, is the one reason why I think SmackDown had the better draft. I do think, though, maybe not as they're not a lot of sizzle to it, but raw did get a lot of great picks that I think have just been doing well for a long time. Like the Gunther. That was of course uh, not today, but um, like Rhea Ripley, she's the champ already, but she's obviously great. Seth Rollins crushing it. Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens. Great judgment day. Been doing great new day. Great. You know, they got a lot of people who have been around for a bit and already there. So I think we take it for granted. You know, we take for granted that Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens are great. So when they get drafted, oh, okay, that's cool. They got those guys where I think it's a little bit more exciting when you see certain people like pretty deadly go to, to SmackDown. But I do think Raw got a pretty good haul in the in the grand scheme of things. It's just not as poppy, if, if that makes sense. It's not like, you know, shocking or anything. Yeah, and I know she's had like a down year, but they got Ronda Rousey too, kind of secretly. Her and Shayna Baszler, I think, are massive talents. It just hasn't been the same, and she hasn't gotten to be front and center like she was during her first and even her second run. So if they can get her going on Raw, I think that'd be a big deal. I will say, I think something I do want to talk about, I don't want to you know, beat a dead horse or, or be, hit a point that probably everyone is talking about, but I do wish, and Justin, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Just, I wish they made it more clear what exactly was going on with the draft with things like why was Rhea Ripley drafted individually, but the LWO was one full team. And, um, you know, why, why some people are free agents, but some people negotiated free agency. And it's, it's just a very weird, I feel like they could tighten it up very easy and it wouldn't really change anything, but that's my one complaint about how this thing works well this is where they get i mean this is where you get in trouble trying to do such a sport centered i mean look yeah AEW launched a promotion thinking they're gonna do the sport centered thing of uh records and stats and all this stuff and they quickly abandon that after so long as they realize it doesn't really fit the creative freedom that you need in booking pro wrestling so you know yeah uh, yes in it to be to be a consistent Yes, Rhea should have been drafted with the rest of Judgment Day, but I understand 
she's a champion. She's a star in her own right, arguably the biggest star out of the group. So I understand using one draft pick for her to make her stand out and seems, you know, so I, and I, I, so I get that. Yeah. I mean, look, there's, you can debate that. Should they even be doing the draft? I mean, for the last 22, 23 years since, since WCW and ECW went out of business or, or since Vince bought them, um, they've been trying to manufacture this internal competition they've tried, they've had this big roster. They try to split it. Um, and they do it, they do it for a couple of years and they kind of like get soft on it. They, they start, you know, super shows where anybody can go anywhere. And, Oh, there was a trade that was just done. They, they, they find all these backdoor reasons to, to, and then, and then they go back to it again. And, and so like, uh, you know, how long is this one going to stick? And look, business has been doing so well. I mean, tonight they're sold out. They've been selling, um, and I think part of that is when you can have the flexibility to have talents appear on both shows. So, I mean, it's yeah, they have one of the best rosters they've had. And I can't remember how long in terms of in terms of quality and potential. Like they finally are building stars. It feels like you know, we're not relying on, you know, on 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 the Goldbergs or the whomever for marquee names. But uh, I don't know. We'll see how this goes, but I, 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 yeah, the whole thing with the draft, they got, they just make up the rules as they go because they can, and that's the only way to get around it. Because otherwise, um, otherwise, there's a million holes you can, you can, you can, you can pull from it, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but it is what it is. We'll see how long this one lasts. Hopefully, it lasts for a little bit, um, because I feel like the separate brands are great if they're actually separate. But when it starts getting blurry, it just makes me think, what's the point? Uh, but speaking of blurry lines when it comes to the the draft or with brands, let's start the show with Paul Heyman, who sells us on the rest of the draft and the Usos and even teases Roman Reigns taking the world title eventually. Seth Rollins comes out and says Paul should be happy. He doesn't have to hide from mm-hmm. Rollins anymore. And at Night of Champions, Rollins will become the champ. Paul tries to chat on the phone and says that Reigns is upset. Reigns threat or uh, Rollins threatens to stomp Heyman. So solo comes out, Alfred. I cannot overstate how big of a deal it is that this quickly solo Sokoa has become someone that makes you go, Oh my God, Seth Rollins is in trouble. Yeah. Um, tell me about, uh, cause I haven't had a chance to talk to you about solo Sokoa or Seth Rollins or any of this. Tell me how, what your thoughts are on solo being the enforcer, how they've been using him and, uh, just this opening to the show. I love what they're doing with Solo. He's one of the few people on the roster who feels like he's being protected, who feels like a big star. It's funny because I'm looking at this opening segment and this speaks to a flaw in WWE, but it also speaks how big of a star Solo is. And when Paul Heyman announced that match, I'm just thinking, okay, Seth has a match at the pay-per-view. They don't beat Solo and he's got a match. They got This is going to be a non-finish. Like I could have told you that just because these are two guys who need to be protected. So I wasn't surprised by how things ended up going down because I know that they just don't beat Solo. They did have Cody Rhodes beat him on the road to WrestleMania, but that was an extenuating circumstance and that was an exception to the rule. But I think, you know, all this talk about this world title chase and whatnot, I wouldn't have a problem with Solo Sokoa being a contender for that WWE World Heavyweight Championship. I know Seth Rollins came out and he declared that he wants a title 
I very much enjoy the Seth Rollins character. I very much enjoy him singing the song, but there aren't enough dimensions there for me for Seth Rollins to be the guy to win this title after I was lectured about how Cody Rhodes needs more adversity and he needs <laughs> to wait a year. Well, in a month, Seth Rollins, if you're arguing that is not the type of character that needs to win that, there would be far more dimensions to a solo Sokoa being a world champion and creating that tension that they've slowly been building between him and Roman Reigns that you know is going to blow up. So I love the fact that uh, solo Sokoa has been built up really from day one coming from NXT. Yeah, Justin, uh, Alfred made some interesting points there. Do you think that Seth Rollins would make a good champion, or do you think that he doesn't have enough uh, oomph to be that guy? I, I think that Seth Rollins has – he's certainly getting arguably the biggest reactions of anybody right now, and he's reliable, and you know what you have with him. He's been around for long enough, so he's certainly the safe pick. Uh, but I can see what Alfred says. You know, at some point, after he's done the loop of going – uh, around the country a time or two and everybody's got to do the song thing okay well then what like yeah of course he's great in the ring but but but, but mm -hmm. most people in WWE are pretty good in the ring you don't get the WWE you know without being good in the ring you know what I mean like it's so so I don't know I I, I but I, I do think that he's a guy that you can put you place your bets on that seems like it would be a way to go to the solo Sokoa point and I'll first the, the word it's the P word protection I can't remember the last time WWE protected somebody um, coming out of their developmental out of their NXT. You're right. Only being beat by is Cody Rhodes. And if you're going to get beat by somebody, it's Cody on, on the road to mania, but they have protected him so well. If had they done something screwy here in the draft where solo was the one guy from the bloodline that somehow got drafted to raw, you know, then there's questions like, well, how did that happen? Did Paul Heyman negotiate something to let him be like, if that would have happened, I think absolutely we're sitting here with ink pen, maybe book in a situation of solo winning this new world heavyweight championship. Mm -hmm. He's still part of the bloodline. He's still loyal to Roman, but Roman's kind of like, well, how did this all happen? I, I, I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought I had problems with the Usos. What's going on now with you? But I think if they were going to do that, they would have done that. I think the fact that they made a conscious effort to draft everybody in the bloodline to be on Fridays. And the fact they're making a point to say this new world title is going to be exclusive to raw. We're not going to get that, but boy, what a hell of a, a, a lot you know, that would have been, that, that would have been a huge story. If that's the route to go, uh, I've kind of had my guys. We can talk about it an hour later. I kind of think I know who might be the contenders going for this new world title. But uh, but back to Solo, anyways. Solo Sokoa, you're right. It's a big deal when he comes out now. It is a big deal. He's got his own music, his own entrance. He's protected. Um, even even his older brothers, the Usos, are kind of starting to feel insecure and fearing him. Why is he getting you know Why is he getting the better treatment, and the better uh, hierarchy with 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 the tribal chief? So again. This bloodline story has so many tentacles to, uh, coming out of it. It's it's told so many stories. It's helped so many people. Um, you know, Solo is somebody to watch. If not for a title right now, when we start getting around to Rumbles and, and Survivor Series and the time of year where it starts to become every man for themselves, potentially, uh, there's a lot to play with on Solo Sokoa and what you could do with him. Something to allude to what Alfred said earlier and just what you're saying is the – I mean, actually, maybe Justin said this. I can't remember. But the point is, I don't remember a time where I feel like you could take the top eight guys on the roster and say send them all on vacation and have another eight guys who are ready to be the top of the card fairly quickly without really a big hiccup in business. Uh, I think they have so many people who are ready to be the next person right now. I don't remember a time where I felt that way, where it's just like, that are young guys too, or people who we haven't seen a lot of as, as well. And so 
But yeah, solo. I don't remember a guy coming yeah. in without it being so forced, like a, a Goldberg, where yeah, he's just beating everybody week in and week out, and this is his the thing where he was solo came in. He was a part of a group. He was. I thought he was coming in to be the guy who's going to eat all the pins for the yeah. team. Uh, but now, yeah, I hear him, and I'm like, here's music. I'm like, oh, someone's in trouble. Uh, we it, got it's it's oh. the credit. It's the credit to Triple H. It's the credit to we're not going to do rematches every single week. We're not going to focus on the same core guys, and we're not going to be afraid of new or young. Like, but we're also not going to push new or young to the moon immediately. We're going to just kind of like, you know, it, that's the credit to to the Triple H group is uh, is they are they do have some semblance of a long term path for many of these men and women of where we want to see them, and also watching the development. Look, Johnny Gargano is a huge Johnny Gargano is a guy that you know is an NXT flag bearer. And certainly, as a, a Triple H a supporter of, it it ha, it just hasn't quite connected. For whether it be the creative with the with the Dexter Lumis stuff or whatever, and so Johnny Gargano wasn't even a TV draft pick on this draft. And so, like you know, there is the, I feel like there's at least accountability. Like we're listening to the crowd, we're seeing how things are coming off, and, and they're they're adjusting accordingly. And I think that's why what you said, Jack. You could have, if you had eight guys or girls that all uh, couldn't make it for that show. Um, you have another depth. Uh, you know, the second string is, is is accountable. is is worthwhile that they can step up and 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 there's stories to be told there. There's familiarity there, and that's that, that's something they have not had in a long, long time. That's yeah. why they had to rely on part timers for so long. I mean, speaking of second string, um, and you know, depth, we got NYC Demon Diva in the house. Hey, hey. Shout out to Lisa. <laughs> Team Roman in the building. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think she was here. I, I, I missed the chat, but I think she said something about Logan Paul being the greatest celebrity wrestler to ever come in WWE history. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate, I appreciate that. Uh, Issa, appreciate he probably, he probably makes the best music of any, uh, Oh, 100%. 100%. Have you, uh, I'm sure he's got some music on there. That's probably just better than anyone else who's been on. And there's been some good musical talents in WWE. I mean, Cindy Lauper is first one that comes to mind. Um, she's probably John Cena, John Cena as well. I mean, what other good musicians have been a part of Rikishi back when he was what was it? PN News was that him? No, no, that was a different guy, but Rikishi did a rapper gimmick, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, Macho Man rapped an album, he can't do so. (laughs) So, I mean, I think just about just about it, like, there's just a lot of great musicians, but Logan Paul, number one, with a bullet. Let's not let's not forget about our truth, who's both a re- both oh, a wrestler yeah. and a phenomenal rapper. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. true too. I think that's most of the great musicians that that WWE has had there, uh, <laughs> and I'm sure Issa would agree. <laughs> uh, we got Tornado Anthony Y with a super chat here saying Solo is Roman's little B asterisk 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 exclamation point, as Seth said. Shout out to Kansas City's own and- the Tornado. Rob will be in Kansas in June as the tornado has reminded us on the NXT pod. So, uh, yeah, I, I think Roman's ducking uh, the tornado is from he what I be. hear. He's ducking the smoke. That's what I hear. I mean, he's been okay. calling Roman out reigns out for over a year now, and I haven't heard Roman Reigns surprise. Respond. There's there's rumors that Roman is a part timer because of the tornado and he's trying to make it so it's harder to track. Um, so uh, let's let's talk about uh Damage control versus Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez. Uh, match is happening because Bailey wanted it to happen. Damage control gets the win. Um, Justin, this was a situation that I 
I personally don't like, but uh, the champs lost and something that didn't rub me the right way was after they lost, Corey said it may have been due to the inexperience of the tag champs, which to me just felt like a double whammy against the people who are supposed to be the best in the division. What are your thoughts on, uh, on this one? Yeah, this is, I don't like it. You know, and I, I mean, I've been down on damage control anyways. I don't like the fact that, okay, now we're going to give you the one win before you go to your new, your new show. Uh, and yeah, and I, I don't like, I don't, yeah, I don't like that comment. Uh, I, I'd like any of this. Uh, I'm, I, I like, you know, Liv and Raquel both have this natural organic energy that they have. Like, you know, they're not, they're not getting the biggest pops of the night, but they do have a following. They do have this, again, new stars. Uh, being born and and, and I, I I tweeted this about Raquel actually. Normally, when you I mean she's like a legit six foot tall. Like normally, when you are uh, a female talent who's that tall and just has a a bigger build than your average female competitor, normally you get pegged in the heel role, right? You know, but she has such baby face charisma and and and, and traits to her that I think with more opportunity and more time. She could be that next, that next Bianca, that next Rhea that elevates themselves into that top tier and is in that, in that title picture uh, organically and naturally, not forced. Uh, I really, I really believe that. So uh, I didn't, I didn't like her and Liv taking the L's, not to damage control, not the way they did, not the way it was framed on commentary. So yeah, this was, this was maybe, maybe the lowest point of the show for me personally. Uh, we get a, a backstage segment, Alfred, with Bianca Belair, and she's trying to have a conversation, but Damage Control shows up and say they're the ones that should be interviewed. Uh, Bianca puts over EO, but sort of puts down the other two. Uh, one, are we going to get Damage Control uh, getting a title match at Backlash, you think? And two, I've been saying this, but people keep saying I'm crazy. I think EO's winning at Backlash. Wow. you. I mean, Bianca doesn't really have a chance now to be the longest reigning Raw Women's Champion. So before she was drafted to SmackDown, I would have said there's no way Io wins. But that might be a way to get out of Bianca Belair having this Raw Championship going to SmackDown. It's having Io win. They have been teasing that damage control could break up and maybe Io is stronger without Bailey and Dakota Kai. I still do see Bianca Belair winning because I do think that the title swap is going to be an annual thing with WWE. And I do think they want to do a title swap because they've already started to tell the story of Bianca Belair and Rhea Ripley. So they're going to do something there. There's going to be a little intrigue. Uh, but I wouldn't mind them shaking it up and having Io Sky win. I just don't think they've done enough with her to build her up as a championship contender who could win a match on that level uh, against Bianca Belair. But um, I, I too don't really like what they've done with damage control. They seem very inconsistent. And the fact that they're all drafted as a unit goes against the story they're telling of them uh, ultimately splitting up. So whether they're going to tell that story going forward or whether they're just going to keep them together and change their minds, they've been very inconsistent with this group and it's hurt them. Uh, well, let me ask you about that. I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about damage control because we've all talked about our thoughts on damage control here. Uh, I personally am a fan of all the pieces, haven't really been a fan of the unit together. What do you think about damage control in general? Are you a fan? Do you want them to break up? Do you want them to just end this thing? Do you want them to fix it? What are your thoughts on damage control as a whole? I'd like for them to break up. I think it's just, I think they're overthinking the Bailey character. I think Bailey was great with Sasha Banks during that 2020 pandemic period. She could argue she was the MVP. And she did a great job in terms of as a solo act 
And when she came back, there was a lot of excitement with them. But now that I've seen what damage control is, I would want all of them to either be a solo act or Kai and Sky could split off as a tag team if they ever decide to really invest in that tag team division. But I've seen enough of damage control with this sample size, and I'd like Bailey to be on her own. I really want to see a singles one with Bailey. Yeah, and um, big fan of Bianca Belair myself, just to talk about her real quick. Uh, she's probably been one of my favorite female wrestlers of the past five years. Uh, so I don't want her to lose. I'm just saying, I think I think EO's going to win, and then that'll be the the wedge that finally gets Bailey to blow the whole thing up. That's my that's my thought here. Yeah. Um, Bid Moon with a super chat. I feel like this one's directed towards you, Alfred. Rampage ratings, uh, <laughs> laughing emoji. We the ones. Not very I, good for Rampage. It was uh, under three hundred thousand. It was an earlier time slot, uh, but not good numbers. Tough competition, and Rampage really is a lame duck show, and it's only going to get worse with the Saturday night show being announced. Yeah, I don't know what the plan is with Rampage. That's a. I want it to do better, but yeah, we'll see. Um, Ricochet and Braun Strowman versus Alpha Academy up next. Pretty quick one with Strowman and Ricochet getting the win. Uh, Justin, I am kind of surprisingly getting into the team of Ricochet and Braun Strowman. You know, I had what I have written down regarding them. It says Braun and Ricochet growing on me. I agree. <laughs> I was a huge uh, Braun Strowman fan. I thought that he was, um, I thought they missed the lightning in a bottle in like, 2017 16. i think it was when or 16 you know he should have beat brock yes. you know, at mm -hmm. the time when they were relying on brock he should have beat brock he they had this they had something with him and they, and they missed it and so i've been bitter ever since uh and then when they put him with ricochet i'm like what is this come on uh but no it's starting it's been consistent it's actually starting to kind of grow on me that like that you know they, they both are kind of like something out of a comic book you know, mm -hmm. Braun's something that's larger than life, and then Ricochet is like this, this, just this little ninja, you know, that does yeah. things you just can't, you have to see to believe. So I, it is, I am buying into it. Um, uh, you know, I would I like to see Braun get a, a revamp in this thing and and the singles push for, especially now there's another world title in the mix. Yeah, but maybe, you know, maybe we maybe this maybe maybe that's down the line maybe that's later this year maybe that's whatever so I, as a tag team again if we are going to if we are investing again in, in men's tag team men's tag team division uh they they offer a dynamic that is really not seen anywhere else uh even 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 alpha academy with gable and otis <laughs> as i'm calling otis now <laughs> even them even, even though it is like beauty and the beast kind of thing um it, it it's still it's still it's still different enough so yeah brawn ricochet i'm okay with it I'm, I'm not cringing at this the thought of them as a tag team I mean, I look at the team and something that really clicked to me is I'm a big believer in the kids that watch the show. And I can imagine if I was a kid and like I had a big brother, I'd be like, I'm Ricochet, you're a brawn and, you know, playing make believe or, you know, you get the toys or whatever. And uh, it just I just imagine them resonating with kids very much. Uh, yeah. Just that combo. Uh, Alfred, you're kind of, you're our, our SmackDown correspondent today uh, for people who maybe don't watch SmackDown. Uh, what, any thoughts on that? that combo that you could give to our raw only viewers. I very much enjoy Ricochet and Braun. They almost came together ironically somewhat because I don't know if it was the timing lines up with the fact that it was born out of their little Twitter spat where Braun Strowman went on a hilarious rant about flippy floppers that, of course, the wrestling Internet took too seriously. Uh, Ricochet had some words from and now they're tag team. 
I think they need a team name. I think that's the only thing missing. I think they're cohesive enough. They seem like enough of a tag team. And Booker T recently brought up some great points about how there is not very many cohesive tag teams who fans see as a tag team on the main roster, like a Pretty Deadly, like a Gallus. We cover the NXT podcast every Tuesday, and there are so many cohesive tag teams that do a good job gelling and sharing the same brain. And I think Braun and Ricochet are on their way there. They just need to be presented that way. If that's going to be the plan, if they're not going to split up, uh, I'd like to have a team name for them. And I suggest Team Flippy Flopper. Hmm. I like the name Flippy Flopper. It's so funny you say that. Literally, as I was watching them, I was like, they, they've been long enough as a team that it's time for them to get a tag team name. Yeah. I get I get when you're thrown together at first and say, eh, we'll just give you a, a, you know, say your names. But after a while, you need a tag team name. Flippy Flopper. Uh Justin, do you got any good uh, tag team names we could give them? And in the chat, let us know what you think would be a good tag team name for Ricochet and Braun. Yeah, I'm trying to play off of like you know, obviously you got to have Monster in there for Braun. Like, no. like I don't like. like what, what, do they have a? Is there a, a moniker for Ricochet? Is he? Is he well, the he, one and only. So what can we do with the monster? You can't say the one and only. The two. one and only monsters. Yeah, the two and only. <laughs> the two and only. Yeah, the mon- <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have anything. Uh. <laughs> we the twos and only uh, uh majestic marie friend of the show uh in the chat here uh with a good question so will ko and Sami Zayn have to relinquish the smackdown tags or will they hop they didn't address that love jja we love you too marie um but yeah what do you what's what say you are they gonna make do they they ha- they kind of have to split up the tag team titles right this is the same problem with the women's singles titles I understand you wanted a brand for the shows, especially because the shows are on two different networks. But you have to get, but especially because WWE's now going again, you know, under Triple H's reign here, they're going longer title reigns. They're they're playing in the title lineage. You can't like you can't just say okay, now Bianca's automatically the SmackDown champion because she's on that. Mm-hmm. Like you need to stop with this being the SmackDown and Raw titles and like make one of the world make one of the women's titles the WWE. Champion, Universal women's champion. Disputed. The other one, the world heavyweight women's championship, and then same with the tag team. One of them, the world heavyweight tag team. One of them, the WWE. Like, just give two distinct names, and it doesn't matter what brand they're on. So that way, they have a lineage that can just stick with it. Because, because yeah, you. It doesn't make sense just to. I there's nothing more anticlimactic. We have a year worth of these fights and these battles, and then to have the two champions come and just hand off, yeah, like like you know like like, like, like they're trading lunch money or something to each other. <laughs> Um, it's just, it's so lame. So just stop with the branding of red and blue for the titles. Just give them the names of universal or world heavyweight or whatever, whatever verbiage is, is in the, is in the, 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 in the vocabulary for right now and just stick with it. And that title can be wherever. Cause you know, you're always going to keep it equal. It's like the U S and IC it's its own verbiage, but you know, if the IC champion has been moved to raw, you know, you're going to move the U S to sm- you're always going to keep it separate to keep it balanced. So stop this whole branding to the the show name. It just, it creates problems like this. And shame on WWE because you look at a situation like this and it's like, wow, in hindsight, WWE probably wouldn't have wanted to name these titles after their shows. But that was literally the first thing that came to my mind when they unveiled the women's title as one's Raw, one's SmackDown. It's like, okay, so what do they do if one gets drafted to the other? And I know I'm not the only one. So this is a problem they could have easily avoided, but it also highlights my biggest problem with the draft. There are so many unwritten rules that never get explained, that change from year to year. It's And what really hurt it for me is that I was on Friday watching the NFL draft at the same time I was watching the WWE draft. And the NFL, NFL draft has so many rules that we've been accustomed to for years, so it makes it an easier product to watch. The WWE draft, 
Lord knows what the rules are. And so it's very frustrating to watch them on the other channel to see all these things happen where it's like, okay, so what does that mean? And not get it explained to you. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Alfred, let me ask you this, because you and I haven't talked about this yet. Let me ask you this. All right, so now we have this new World Heavyweight Championship, but we don't know, is this brand new lineage, or is it picking back up from the big gold belt from WCW? Right. I don't know. So you have this belt. Roman is still the WWE champion and also the universal. You see, he still has two physical straps. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that whenever he loses, whenever that might be, does that mean that when the person who beats him breaks the record uh, you know breaks his reign for the WWE championship where he's like fifth overall he's right behind bruno and Ho- whatever do they also get added to the universal title lineage that kicked off with finn balor in 2016 or when roman loses is that effectively end the universal title belts existence and is that new champion just become you know what i mean like yeah how many what, how many how many titles how many active lineages are going on now right now that's an excellent question i wish i could answer it and i'll tell you one thing i guarantee you wwe doesn't know the answer to that question that's another situation where they're going to cross that bridge when they get to it because i've been saying ever since they introduced it they have three world championships i don't care how you want to slice it i don't care what kind of technicality they have three different belts with three different lineages and i think it's very similar to what aew is doing with rampage collision and dynamite where they're adding a third show that renders one of the shows a lame duck and the lame duck belt in this situation is your prestigious WWE title. They're doing this to accommodate the universal title, which is the thousand day title, but the WWE title is lost in the shuffle. So what happens there? Do they combine both of those titles? And if that happens, what happens to the lineage? So there's a lot of unwritten questions that when it's time to finish this story that they want, they insisted on extending when it's time to beat Roman Reigns, there's going to be a lot of questions that I don't think WWE has the answer to. They need to just for because as as long as Roman comes out holding up two straps, it's confusing at this yeah. point now. They need to just somehow revamp and let him hold up a new winged eagle title with nameplates or whatever. Like because it, it the, now that you have an exclusive Monday title and then the, he's holding up two other titles, it is it, it, that, that's very yeah. You, you have a 2016 to now lineage of, of Universal. You have from uh, you know the 60s on to now WWE. It, it, it's it's really it, it's very confusing it's 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 distracting to what's supposed to be prestigious yeah well and it's very easy i'm sure people listening to say this, it doesn't matter who cares whatever it, it it's part of the stakes it's what makes it interesting the fact that roman reigns is at a certain day makes that title reign more interesting but that day is based on exactly what we're talking about if you take that away and you say it doesn't matter 
well, then you lose all of that. And it's just, you lose those stakes. So it, it does really matter what yeah. lineage they're looking at and what they're, what we're comparing that to. Cause if it is, you know, the WWE reign and not the universal, well, then that's not as long and that's less interesting. We're not near the thousand days, but the, the universal, it's just, again, if we're, if we're making stuff up, you right. got to at least know what we're making up, you know, right. it, 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 it's the same art. Yeah. Yes. This, at the end of the day, all this is predetermined, but it's the same principle of why I holler at AEW on the, their, their decisions with referees and rules. If there's no freaking rules, how can you have a good guy and a bad guy? If there's no rules to break or follow, then what's the difference of anybody? It, yeah. It's, and yeah, I am so, partial to Cody Rhodes. I will say that. I am partial to Cody Rhodes. It's my guy, all right? But I will say that the fact that WWE had to introduce his third title, I think, is a telltale sign that they did not make the right decision by beating him at WrestleMania Night 2. If these are the hoops that they had to jump through just to justify having Roman Reigns hold on to the title and he's going to be gone. I mean, Triple H's promo alone was clumsy, where he says, oh, Roman Reigns negotiated into his contract that he doesn't have to defend this title all the time. And so now we're going to introduce a workhorse title because our champion doesn't want to defend it. All of this stuff is really starting to get into crazy town. And I've been a big fan of Triple H's booking over the past year. But this, I find, is a flaw. This is one big black eye in terms of how WrestleMania ended toward how they're handling it right now. I agree. I think the extra belt kind of makes the extra days on Roman's reign feel a little like yeah, I mean, you've it. What made it great is like, wow, he's dominating the entire company. Yeah. But now that you take that away, like, oh, I get it. You're gonna have this one be the one that's actually doing all the stuff, and he's just gonna hold on to this title to rack up some days. And to what Alfred was saying, to what Alfred saying, I hope. I again, we can get to it a little bit later here, but I hope uh, Cody's gonna be a contender to go to to go after this new world heavyweight championship. Mm -hmm. But he he should not win it. Because of the way everything is timelined out and transpired, if Cody wins this World Heavyweight Championship, it's going to feel like the FTW title. It's going to feel like a title that somebody created for one person to have just to call themselves champion. That's what it's going to feel. It's going it's to be like, oh, WWE created a new world title so Cody could have it because it couldn't beat Roman for the big title. So at this point, Anybody but Cody should be winning this new world heavyweight championship. And I say that for Cody's long-term benefit, not because I don't like Cody. I love, I love Cody, but Cody, if you hear me right now, you should be, and you should know this. You should be the one person not winning this new big belt right now. And I've been just kind of studying his body language when that world title was debuted and Seth Rollins is looking at it, talking about he wants to win it. When Cody was out there, man, he didn't even look at that title. He was just like, he all but said, I want nothing to do with this. Right. <laughs> He's like, whoa. He's like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't have the same whoa in his step anymore. Yeah. He's uh, like, let, let Brock beat me in Puerto Rico. That's what it takes to get me out of contention for the yeah. title. He did say, I think he was setting that up, man. Cody does not do anything by happenstance. Him saying that he goes to the back of the line if Brock, I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's what he was setting up to get him out of having to compete for that title. Well, let's let's talk about that. We do have a Brock. Um, uh, we have a draft pick that's going to happen, but Brock Lesnar comes out and then says he's the only cowboy in the state. Security comes out. Cody eventually shows up, takes out security, and Brock goes to the back. And then later, uh, as mentioned, Cody says if he loses, then he goes to the back of the line. Uh, my big takeaway from this, uh, Alfred, we'll start with you, is that uh, if I was security, I would not be the guy that runs down there as fast as I could. I would go slow, and in fact, I'd probably be in the second group. 
be the, the backup Avengers. Yeah, I would not. I don't know. Like Brock's in there, and you're like security. There's a couple of them are like charging down there like heroes. Yeah. Let's let's face it, fellas. Like, what are you doing? Take your time. Yeah. <laughs> that would have really put Brock over too. I thought that would have been very funny if all of them just kind of like steadily, cautiously approach him like he's a grizzly bear. Like, okay, we don't. Who wants to go first here? I'd like him to all just take the security shirts off and be like, no, no, not not worth it. You don't pay me enough for this. Yeah. Uh, but I'd love for you to just continue on with what you were saying about Cody Rhodes and this match. And so we, I know we touched on it a little bit, but it it does feel a little bit like Cody's bracing us for the back of the line. I, I really hope not. I really do think, and if they do and they're telling a story, good on them. But I really do think we're getting to an area where they're overthinking the Cody Rhodes character. I don't know where all these unwritten rules came from about how much adversity he has to face and whatnot. The rule I always grew up with is if you're hot, especially if you're hot babyface, which don't come along easily, if you're a hot babyface as hot as Cody Rhodes got, and not even just talking about live reactions, which you can hear week to week, talking about the business that he drew, the number one selling t-shirt WrestleMania weekend, a lot of business records, live event records that they're breaking because of Cody Rhodes and the hot, uh, how hot he's been. Like, that's a guy that you need to keep hot. You need to win. You don't like, well, we're going to beat him, and then he's going to be hot again. That's not how wrestling works. It's lightning in a bottle. You don't want to let that lightning out of a bottle. And if you get too comfortable beating Cody Rhodes, you're going to take what's been the hottest babyface post-John Cena, and you're going to not have any. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. I always say if when people are cheering someone, like, go for it. That's so hard to get people cheering. But I, I got to agree. It feels like they're overthinking something that should be so simple. Um, and sometimes like, I love long-term storytelling, but sometimes I think we go a little too far to get our long-term storytelling. Sometimes yeah. as the great poet Batista said, give me what I want. Just give me what I want. <laughs> um, but, uh, Justin, any takeaways from, uh, the, the Brock Lesnar segment and, uh, Cody Rhodes chatting it up with, uh, Kathy Kelly. I like this go home, uh, sell for this, you know, Cody comes in, you know, Cody, Cody, Cody needs to get into Cody need to get a little something on Brock, right? He comes in, he gets one strike on Brock. Brock bumps for that strike. That's key. He bumps, takes a back bump and Cody legit got his nose because Brock was bleeding. So I don't know if, I don't know if that was by design. If Brock said, Hey, look, if you're, I'm going to bump for you, but make it look good. Um, I, I don't know, but whatever it was, it looked good. Uh, hopefully both men are on the same page. Uh, but that and then security is keeping them apart. So, you know, pay to see the, the conflict on Saturday. Uh, I like it. Um, I think Cody needs to beat Brock. I think that he needs to, he needs to have that rebound from having lost a mania. I think that then puts Cody in the contention. He's in the, he's in the conversation for the world heavyweight title at night of champions, but he does not need to even get to that point. It's, it's kind of like he takes a step forward, gets knocked a step back. I think, I think that's how you kind of keep it to what Alfred's saying. You got to keep the people a reason to believe in him. Oh my God, he just beat Brock Lesnar. And then he gets screwed or unfairly out of getting to the world heavyweight title. So I'll just go right now. So my, my prediction for what they're going to do for the world heavyweight title is obviously we can only pull from the male talent that is at raw now. And you can, you know, do you want to go an eight man tournament? What do you want to do? How do you want to do it? They only have two weeks starting from next week till night of champions. You don't have a ton of time for it just being on raw. I say they go six, six, a six person deal, two triple threats. The winner of each triple threat determines the title match for this new inaugural title. And I say in terms of the six you're working with Cody, Seth, Riddle, 
because he's not going to have anything to do. He's shutting down the stuff of the bloodline. Sammy, and so Riddle's there. That's three. <laughs> Drew has been drafted over to Raw. Kent and I drew. And then for your last two, I think you pick two guys from Judgment Day. And it could be any of the two. It could be any of the two of Dom Finn or, or Priest. But I think between those six, you split off two triple threat matches. And and and, and in that, Cody can lose one of those triple threat matches, but he can lose without being pinned. Without being pinned, yeah. And so mm-hmm. it protects him. It keeps his story and his chase going. Maybe he then tries to vie for money in the bank. I I, I don't know. But I think you go two triple threat matches, the winner of that, uh, out of those six is what you uh, are looking at. I think it's hard to buy into them not having Seth Rollins as one of the two people in the actual title match because Seth is so hot. So then, okay, who's your heel? Well, Cody's not a heel. Riddle's not a heel. Drew's not a heel. So then it goes down to one of your Judgment Day members, which should be because Judgment Day has been so hot, and I could buy into any of them, Finn, Priest, or Dom, going up against Seth for this inaugural title. Um, and so that's how I think we're going. That that's the path I'm booking right now. You don't think Omas is going to be figured in any of this because I just have a fleeting feeling they're just—he's another squash match. He's facing Seth Rollins. He might win that match for all we know. Maybe that's why they're randomly putting him together. I just say keep an eye on Omas. He might play spoiler in all this. If Omas beats Seth, you'd have to consider it. But did you catch on commentary? They also noted Omas is just like Brock. Free agent. MVP negotiated for be free agent. If he was going to be competing for this world heavyweight title, they would have just drafted him as to Raw. So I think the fact that he's going to be free to roam is kind of a, a giveaway that they're not going to put him in this contention, and he's probably not going to beat Cody or be, beat Seth. Hopefully they'll protect him still when Seth beats him, but I think he's going to lose to Seth because he's a free agent. He could disappear for a month, resurface for Money in the Bank. I'd like to see him win. I'd like to see Omos win it all. Just for the meltdown on the internet. <laughs> Me yeah. too. That's what I'm begging for, man. You want to you, you wanna see a meltdown? Find a way to find a way to give Roman the new world heavyweight title. That's yeah. your meltdown. I would I'd be okay with that too, just to see everyone blow up and get so upset. That's your I'm meltdown. And that's a good point, Justin, but I honestly don't think I'm not giving W that faith in the fact that they thought this through because you're going to have SmackDown and Raw guys competing for this world title that presumably should only be on Raw. So I don't I would like to assume a SmackDown guy isn't going to win that title, but I don't think it makes sense to even have SmackDown people compete for that title. They shouldn't. I mean, everybody that gave you is all Raw. So unless unless they throw a a curveball and try to. They they have said, though, that SmackDown and Raw talent will be competing for this. For the World I, Heavyweight title? Yeah, yeah, I believe they've said that on, on camera. Well, Triple H said for, at the top of the show, the World Heavyweight title will be exclusively defended on Raw. So, yeah. And there's the ha- end of your brand split. <laughs> right? <laughs> and we're done. Um, I Real quick question, Alfred, I'm going to throw it to you here, is um, we keep saying how this title would feel like a consolation prize for a Rollins or a Cody Drew McIntyre is back on Raw. Would it feel a little bit like a consolation prize for him as well so that he can have his moment winning a championship? Oh, if we're telling the story back to Drew McIntyre's moment, then absolutely it would feel like a consolation prize because that moment came and went. That's another example of how Drew McIntyre, I don't know, it wasn't too long ago, that 2020 Royal Rumble, that's about as hot as a babyface got before Cody. And they waited and they waited and obviously COVID happened, so it was outside of his control. But when he didn't get his moment, he turned into mid-card McIntyre. And that still, and they had another chance in his home country where he lost. So this playing around with beating these babyfaces, I'm not saying it's easy to create a top 
a hot heel, but it's much easier than doing that than with a, a hot baby face. So they really need to mind their manners. And for all this talk about the consolation prize, okay, I do agree with it, but let's not get carried away. Like a guy can make a title, and Cody Rhodes is of that ilk of somebody who can make a title feel like a world title. I've got two words for all these consolation prize people. Orange freaking Cassidy, okay? Because the That's international great. title, yeah, I know. <laughs> Shout out to Paul Heyman. The AEW international title is a title that I think when it was introduced, what are they doing with this? Why are they doing this all Atlantic? We don't need another title. Orange Cassidy has made that the second most important title in AEW just because they're just telling a simple story of him defending the title, having the longest win streak, telling the simple back-to-basic story of him constantly defending it. So now that's a title that when it's defended, I'm into it. And when he loses, it's going to be a big deal. So yes, it being created, the third world championship seems like a consolation prize, but on the right guy telling the right story, defending it maybe more than not, it could be a valuable title. To that point, Alfred, if they came, they, they, they would have had to already probably do it by now. If they came out and said, this WWE World Heavyweight Championship belt is going to continue the, the legacy of WWE and WCW and the NWA. So a title that Dusty fought for. Yeah. Totally different narrative and picture you've painted. Yeah. All, this, all of a sudden, I change my tune and I say, Cody's the only person that should be winning this title right yeah. now. <laughs> but, uh, well, as we continue on in Majestic Marie, I see your comment. I'm going to save that for when we get to the Judgment Day portion of the show. Uh, but real quick, we got Riddle going up against Jimmy Uso. Uh, they did a fun little Eddie Guerrero bit, but on the outside to get Jay ejected, which I thought was kind of fun. Jimmy tries to cheat, and KO gets involved and gets Riddle to win. Jay is upset later that Solo wasn't at ringside, and Paul gives him an excuse. Uh, Justin, it's sure that we look at it's interesting. We have damage control hinting at a breakup, and we're kind of like, come on, just break up already. But Bloodline, they've been hinting at a breakup for for months, but it feels like I love this, and I'm still so invested in it. It's like a soap opera. I, I can't get enough. What's the difference? But it's so rich. There, there, there's so much to do. There's so many, again, I said tentacles earlier. There's so much here. You have so much programming, which again makes sense of why you made sure all the bloodline stays on one show because there's so many dynamics of second guessing, looking over their shoulders, who's trusting who. Um, that's the difference. Um, to the match. You know, look, the, the whole Eddie Guerrero spot's fun, but I, and I and I think I criticized AEW, and I'm going to do the same here. I don't know, I don't know if I like the whole do the Eddie Guerrero spot with people that are on the outside. Like, do we ever? Because later, even later in the night, in the main event tonight, like we see people on the outside try to get involved, even if they just get the you know, even if they're on the even if they're the ones that just end up taking the offense, like. We don't throw them out for getting involved necessarily, so I don't know if I love that, but it is what it is. Um, you know, it was what it was. I, I most distracting thing to me is Matt Riddle wears the shortest tights of anybody. He wears <laughs> no elbow pads, no knee pads, and he's hey, barefoot. Hey. It's a bit visually distracting to me that I got to watch a guy that I oh think is God. naked in his underwear yes! fighting. That with we a, were with, talking with this, with yeah. his with his fingers and toenails painted. I'm sorry, right. and I like Riddle, but it's a the visual is a little distracting. Somebody needs to say something to him. Same thing. They I haven't already. Yeah. I, I was saying the same thing on Friday that he just looks naked in that outfit. I don't like it. It's not in a good way. I miss the shorts, Matt Riddle. You know the short trunks, biker it's so, shorts. It's so funny how 
like as rest if you weren't wrestling if you weren't a fan of wrestling and i was like look if he had shoes on it wouldn't be so bad <laughs> but like like shoes are the difference or or a little bit of trunk is the difference when you when you look like you're fighting in your underwear that you just got out of the shower it, it's just distracting <laughs> to me <laughs> i'll tell you i cringe during every riddle match that he's gonna break a toe or something like every Every time he gets thrown off something, every time he falls, I'm like, oh, don't break your toe. <laughs> hey, true story. Rusev, remember the days of Rusev? Rusev in his early days used to wrestle barefoot. He just had his feet taped. He wrestled barefoot. Rusev took a bad spill over the top rope. He landed funny on the floor. I think he twisted his ankle or, or broke his ankle or something, something with, with that area. And from that point on, they told him, you're wrestling in boots. And when he came back, he was wrestling in boots. I'm just waiting there for Riddle. It's just a matter of time between an elbow or a knee joint or a kneecap or a foot. Like, it just doesn't – it's visually distracting to me. I can't get past it. And I like Riddle, but I'm like, oh, it looks like you're just being attacked while you're getting dressed. Oh, no, I, I agree completely. It's I, I think you said it last week. It was like it was a lot of flesh to be on TV. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Too much. Yeah. Not a good um, ratio of clothing to skin. No. Yes. Um, well, somebody... I, I know he's dating porn stars and stuff, but maybe, maybe he's leaning into that lifestyle. But it, he's it, ready it, to go, man. Yeah. So we, um, Brassers can wait. We, <laughs> to transition to a couple of folks that were very well clothed, we had Ms. TV and uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. Shinsuke thinks he could be the champion, Ms. says he's the workhorse, uh, and then Shinsuke says he has small balls because why stop the small balls bit? Um, then eventually Shinsuke takes him out, takes out Miz. Um, Alfred with, uh, I am a bigger fan of Miz than I think a lot of people are. I uh, appreciate all he does. I think he's, he's probably one of the most underappreciated guys mm -hmm. in WWE, but at the same time I'm watching this segment and I'm thinking it's been like a year and a half of him bringing people out and them saying he has small balls. I'm ready to refresh this. Yeah, this is just one of those things that WWE loves. And to their credit, it gets over. The live crowd loves it, but it's very sophomoric. And But it's something that you know is just going to keep happening in different ways. And this was the one thing they did get excited for is when Shinsuke had to translate what it meant. So props to them for squeezing the life out of this gimmick. I'm with you. I really don't like it all that much. And I regret that it's gotten over, much like the what chant. But I will say this, and I'll take it further than you with The Miz, because I'm in the same boat, and I love The Miz. I would say The Miz is one of the most influential wrestlers this generation. Nobody wants yeah. to admit that, but every time it's time to diss one of these, I don't even want to call them generic, because Grayson Waller is great, but a Grayson Waller type, uh, MJF type, some yep. of these great new school wrestlers, you know, whenever it's the awesome white theory. red guy. Yeah, awesome theory. You got to call him, oh, you're a new Miz. You're a less famous Miz. You're an Australian Miz. So many wrestlers get compared to the Miz as a diss. And it's like, that's because the Miz is creating all these little Miz mini-Miz out there because he's influential. That says a lot about the Miz. I, I always say, I feel like after the Miz retires, people are going to start looking back on him as like, oh, he was actually one of the best, oh, yeah. you know, uh, once he's out of our out of our hair a little bit. But uh, we got a, a super chat, Justin. I'm going to throw this one to you. From John Mueller saying, Nakamura felt important tonight. Can he be a contender for the new world title after he won the Rumble and was snubbed and never won the title? Uh, if they wanted, so I, earlier I gave you the scenario of two triple threats, so of six guys. If they want to extend to eight guys, add the Miz and add, add, and add Nakamura. Mm. 
neither are going to go advance. They're going to cancel each other out. It's just going to advance their feud. But if you want to try to give me perception of that, they are worthy of a uh, world heavyweight, you know, title tournament, an eight man tournament. You could, but, but, you know, to the point of what we're saying with the Miz, the Miz is the right guy for Nakamura. Nakamura, you know, look, he, you know, he, he was injured for a while. He's over on SmackDown. So if you're looking strictly through, through the raw lens, Nakamura is, is is brand new to you in a lot of ways. So having him versus the Miz is the right call because the Miz, it's amazing the tiny balls thing still sticks around. But it, but it, the Miz is just the ultimate heel. Everybody loves to hate. They they have fun hating him. They they pay a ticket to go chant these things at him. He leans into it perfectly. He plays the media perfectly. So Nakamura is the right guy, uh, or Miz is the right guy for Nakamura to have as his first Raw feud because there's going to be no there's going to be no split crowd or, or doubt of who we're supposed to cheer here that's perfect to get not and, and who knows maybe maybe this heats nakamura up to where you have enough baby face momentum to where he's challenging gunther in the IC title uh by SummerSlam. i don't know but i think it's the right pairing and everything alfred and you guys are saying the miz is gonna be one of those guys to where it's gonna be like he's gonna call it quits in a couple years right and then a year later they put him in the hall of fame and then he disappears for another year or two. And then he's going to come back, and he's still going to be in phenomenal shape. He's, he's, he's going to only be in his mid to late 40s. And he's going to be a guy that's going to come back, kind of like Trish Stratus now, going to come back just for little stints and be like, damn, he's really good. And he's and it's going to be like, yeah, we all knew this about him, or you should have knew it about him, but, but everybody's so tied up and just hating on him because he was the, the reality show guy or whatever, even though he's proven for the last 15, I mean, Next to Dolph Ziggler, who else is longer tenured as a full-time? And I'd argue he's more full-time than Dolph is. Dolph has yeah, had more definitely. periods of time. The Miz is probably the most tenured full-time guy there is who's been, you know, durable, not getting injured, works the mm-hmm. schedule of, of all the other things they ask you to do. I mean, it, it's quite it's quite funny how, how he's perceived in in WWE history. Let the record show it took zombies to finally get this guy injured. Years, right. over a decade into his career. It took zombies. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the greatest matches of all time, by the way, and I will not hear arguments against it. Uh, we got Omos versus <laughs> Anthony Alanis. Um, I looked down for a second, but I assume Anthony Alanis won this match. Uh, Alfred, uh, Omos gets the win. I don't know. Anything to take away from this? This just only I know it's a long shot, but I'm just watching this Omos and I'm just thinking like this guy might have a chance if they include him in this uh, title match. I know they're just trying to build him up for Seth Rollins, which Rollins should be favored in that match. But, you know, it was just your garden variety Omos match. And I really do think even though Omos has his limitations, I mean, as a promoter, you got to work around those. And I do think that they've missed some opportunities to heat up Omos. I mean, there's yes, there's only so much you can do, but. This is a guy who's a monster, who's a giant, who's always going to attract those mainstream eyeballs. And his match against Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, I thought was just fine. I thought it was actually pretty great in terms of Brock Lesnar working as more of a little man and doing a great job. So you see that in an Omos match, with the aura he has, there is a way that you can create a great match. And I think him and Seth are going to have a great match. Seth is a wrestling genius who's going to know what to do with Omos. NYC Demon Diva. Issa says, currently 89 degrees in Puerto Rico. Backlash going to be hot. Speaking of heating people up, uh, Justin, let me get your prediction. Omos is winning, right? He's beating Seth Rollins. 
I don't think he is, but it, it begs the question of why is this match happening? Yeah. And that's not me dissing Omos on the card. I'm fine. Omos is an attraction. This dude is a legit seven foot plus. Mm-hmm. And oh, by the way, stop your nonsense with, oh, he's great, Kali. This guy's got way more athleticism than Kali ever had. He's done the spot where he, do, he does the Undertaker spot, the Snake Eye spot. You drop the guy face first on the turnbuckle, Omos hits the ropes, hits him with the big boot. Like that's that's athletic to do if you're a, if you're a man of the size of Omos. Omos is athletic. You know they still have an MVP there to talk for him, but I'm not sure what the point is here. I don't know why they made the match with he and Seth because I don't see any good way out of it. Like Seth needs to win because again I think Seth's probably going to be in contention for this new world title. But does Omos need two premium live event losses in a row? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I but but I think Omos has a lot of potential long term. You know, he's never going to be a guy who's going to carry your brand, but he's a guy again. He's an attraction. Uh, he's athletic. Uh, he's Nigerian. That's something. You know, uh, p- p- as your global force that is WWE. So I don't know why I I don't know why this match is happening with Seth and Omos because uh, there's a, there's something there with Omos. Omos could be a champion. One day might not be for a year, but even if it's something transitional for a couple months that makes sense for him and makes sense for the person that eventually uh, beats him, um, there's a lot there with him. So I'm not sure why this is happening, I, but I, I think I, Seth has to beat him, but I don't know what good that does in, in the situation. Well, we will see Tox Kazim saying, I miss the hurt business. Uh, Tox, Me too. We, we all do. We all miss the hurt business. And they teased us for a little while there, like they were going to get back together, and they just dropped it, it seems. I feel like they keep doing that. They keep like making it look like it's going to happen, and then everyone's like, this is the best thing ever, and they're like, never mind. <laughs> it's kind of like Cody at WrestleMania all over again. Yeah. Like, hey, it's going to happen. No. Nope. Shel- Shelton and Cedric just sit around every week just going, <sighs> <laughs> they're yeah. in ca- They're in catering, enjoying some nice – grilled chicken and then some producer comes over and says we need you guys for a backstage pre-taper quick and they're like yes and they, <laughs> they run away and then they find out they're like god damn it my chicken's cold now we get the match now we're not even, we're not even gonna help omos or, or we're not gonna help lashley like what's going on they're like hey guys we got some really great news for you remember how cool the hurt business was yeah that was pretty cool. Anyways, yeah. time to go. Like, oh. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll call you if we need you. We'll call you if you need you. Um, so we move on. Judgment Day has a match against the LWO. And my biggest takeaway from this whole thing in the, was the early promo and Finn Balor saying someone was going to be a hot snot and flick them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just a great, it was a great line. Um, Bars. Uh, LWO gets the win here. Um, or not LWO, I'm sorry. Uh, Judgment Day gets the definitely win here. Um, <laughs> definitely not. Hard loss for the LWO. The L in LWO. Yeah. Tip, tip it off, Alfred. Take it away. Just talk about this one for me. It's just so weird because the LWO is something that people want to like. It's so funny. This is how strong nostalgia is in wrestling because the original LWO, this is what happened, is they just got a bunch of random luchadors together and all they did was lo- lose. Yeah. But 
the power of nostalgia. When I was in LA and they unveiled those t-shirts, it was a huge pop. People love the LWO. To this day, it's a very, very hot selling t-shirt. People are buying this shirt up like crazy, headed into Puerto Rican. They have the Puerto Rican version of the LWO t-shirt, which is selling very well. Yet the group, they just keep beating them and they beat them over and over and they use a judgment day to constantly beat them. And it's very hard to tell the story they're trying to tell of Zelina Vega being this ultimate underdog against Rhea Ripley, who has not lost in a year now. I think it's a year today, that the last time, or a year and a week, the last time she took a loss to Liv Morgan. So I don't know how anybody's going to believe that even in her home country, she's going to beat uh, Rhea Ripley. Because all WWE's been doing is beating people in their home country, whether it was Drew McIntyre, you know, whether Cody Rhodes, not really his home country. It is, you know, in American <laughs> WrestleMania. Uh, but time again, they're going to do it to Bad Bunny or Damian Priest. Somebody's going to lose in Puerto Rico. So WWE's obsessed with beating people in their home country, and it's going to happen again with Zelina. I'm just glad you brought up brought up the fact because I was a, a very big late period WCW fan. And I'm glad that you spoke the truth that nobody cared about the LWO in, <laughs> in WCW. It was a total throwaway group. It was whatever. But I mean, the shirts do sell like crazy. Um, mm -hmm. And I also love nostalgia. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm in that boat too, Alfred. I'm not going to sure. be hypocritical. I'm like, yeah, the LWO is back. <laughs> <This> is <great."> <laughs> I'm going to uh, make a prediction, Jack. I'm going to say that the LWO, what, what's going to happen in the next six months of 2023 for LWO will be this time last year for Judgment Day. Remember, this time last year with Judgment Day, it was the Edge you know trying to be a heel again group where it was uh, this is this is edge is just this is edge and a bunch of lackeys they kicked edge out and judgment day became what they are now yeah zelina's not beating Rhea this week and then even bad bunny versus priest you can make an argument that bad bunny might beat priest you know but at the end of the day though i think uh i think the lw especially moving to smackdown and I think there will be a reset. I think there actually will be a conscious effort to make the LWO again the babyface version of Judgment Day in terms of something that you know a, a stable that means something. You know, let's 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 you know Ray could take the pins, but you know Joaquin Wild and and Escobar like let's get these guys elevated because I think yeah. as Alfred said the shirt is more popular than ever because wrestling is more more consciously promoting to diversity than ever not to say there wasn't latinos that 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 wanted to proudly wear an lwo shirt 23 years ago but wrestling still even then it's quite it's wild to say because it was a turn of a new millennium but even then 23 years ago wrestling was still in more of a box yes you know i mean we didn't have black champions we didn't have you know we, we didn't have uh, the we we are far more accepting and far more open now of what our demographics and what our who our champions can be and what they can look like. I do think that's my big bold prediction is that in 2023 the LWO could be this year's version of the Judgment Day on the babyface side. So I love that they, prediction. Yeah, I, I really think so. I really think that we're at a place finally where um, it's okay to promote the Latino world, world and then being a good. They don't have to ride tractors. <laughs> and lawnmowers, <laughs> yeah, please no, and be a heel group. We no pinatas. We can have them proudly come out. They don't have to be just a Cinco de Mayo gimmick <laughs> next yeah. week. They can proudly come out and be fighting courageous good guys. That's okay. I'm a huge Santos Escobar fan too, so I'd love to see him come out of this as a as a big time um, big time name. I, I got to ask you though, real quick, and just I'm going to piggyback on this for you, or. or send it back to you is 
I, I asked this on Twitter, but the reactions that Dom gets, mm. it, one, is there anyone in wrestling getting the reactions that he's getting? And two, who in the past has gotten that loud of a negative reaction that often for that long? Because it feels like a 100% of the time he's not going to be able to talk. And it's been like months like that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you look, I mean, you know, MJF gets a different kind of heat. MJF gets the kind of heat of like, everybody can't can't wait for him to um to to talk crap on them and their town and city dom dom grabs a mic and there is just this that they want to and every time he tries to talk they want to get loud this was not piped in sound yes they do pipe in sound on wb but for him they don't um and it's it's evident by the reactions everybody in the ring there had because they all are hearing and, and feeling it uh, and he should be thanking his father. His father mm-hmm. has set him up with a great gift. He he he's it's. I don't rule him out again. I don't. I do not rule Dom out as somebody you consider to put as a serious threat to maybe try to win this new world title. I'm not saying he wins it, but the the people people are paying and tuning in to boo him. Mm-hmm. Wrestlers, every wrestler right now who is in wrestling training school, dreams of being able to grab the mic, put it close to their mouth, and elicit that kind of reaction. That's yeah. what you dream of. It makes your life so much easier. You, it's, you have to say far less. You have to bump far less. That's what you dream of, and he has it. So uh, I, 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 comparison-wise, I, really, I don't know. I'd have to really think about it and could write an essay for you tomorrow. But um, he's somebody special. They, they, they have... They have you would work. use AI to write that essay. Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, they have something very they have something very special with him right now. They uh, do. I would say as a wrestler, I can't think of any off the top. The only person I could think of is oddly enough is Vicky Guerrero, who I yeah. still holding out hope that they get together in terms of her doing the excuse me's. But it's great to see with Dom, and he's getting so good at milking it. At like he hears a booze and then he just puts a mic and then he puts it back down. And he's such a heel that in the Hall of Fame with Rey Mysterio, when they showed Dominic as a child, just as a career retrospective with Rey, they showed him with this child Dominic, and the child Dominic got booze. So this guy's on another level. Yeah, I um, I see people in the chat talking about like Roman Reigns with um, Undertake after beating Undertaker, or like I've seen Elias and Kevin Owens. Those were one night things. This yeah. is like every night. Yeah. But there's a super chat in here from Majestic Marie. All the things we've said, you guys. What we're talking about, Dom here. I want to hear your argument how she could be wrong. And she says, give that world title to Dominic, based on what we're yeah. saying about the reactions. He- how could she be wrong? My, my Marie, my only object to that is again, Roman truly is on like a part time schedule, he and he's earned it. So, from a live event standpoint, from everything else, they are looking at this new world heavyweight champion to be a world title champion who they can book to be the workhorse to work all these live events. Not Dom needs to be working these events for the reps. You need to find a really strong baby face for him to work with. That can help carry. Maybe maybe it's Seth Rollins, but you'd have to have the right babyface lined up for him, because he's he's not he's not green, but he's still just learning. He's only he's only been doing this for a couple of years, so I, I do think the risk would be you're looking at this being a workhorse world title champion. You're going to put it on somebody who's been in the business for less than five years, uh, and a couple of his years were in pandemic empty arena situations and a tag with his dad. He's still I, I, that would be the biggest risk. That would be the biggest risk, but I but I don't discount 
the 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 the, the merit of he's getting bigger heel reactions than anybody else. Let's 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 do it, you know. Um, and to the Vicky point, if if eventually they find that okay, Rhea's becoming so endeared that we're gonna make her a face or something like that, if they ever wanted to split Rhea and Dom off, I think Vicky's contract with AEW is officially done in July. Yes, if Vicky comes, if Vicky resurfaces, and Vicky's excuse me paired with Dom's just being oh. a disrespectful little shit. We could have a serious uh, money maker of a heel group yeah. with Vicky managing Dom. I, I think that would be incredible. I could, could you imagine? It'd, it'd be so perfect because he would try to talk and everyone would yell, and then she would say, "Excuse me," and it yes. would get worse. Yeah, uh, perfect. It just Done. such a main event act. But that is the heat because I agree with everything Justin said about Dom winning that world title. But because WWE is kind of tipping their hand as to who's going to win this world title, you would think it would be a babyface if they're going to create a workhorse title that should be defended every week valiantly. But outside of crowning world, Roman Reigns as a world champion, I think Dom winning that title gets the most heat because it would be perceived he doesn't deserve that title, but not in like a go away way. It's like, this character, who's a slimy heel who cheats to win, he's not a workhorse. So people would be begging for him to get beat. And I think that makes a great world champion. You really can't teach that in terms of a world champion having a title. Especially if you did something where he won the title. Like, let's say the person he faced was injured in a match before or hurt. But then after he wins it, he's like, I had to work my entire career to get here all by myself. And yeah. I had to overcome all this adversity. My story mm. is just beginning yes. or whatever. And like, kind of like how he leans into like, I was in prison forever and I did all this, but Jack, no. I'll one, I'll, I'll one better you. What, what, what if for this new world title, the, the, the match at night of champions was Cody Rhodes. Or actually not better. Seth Rollins versus Dom. Okay, Seth is super over as we talked about. And what if, you know, refs down or whatever the case may be, we're in the finish. What if Rhea and Maria, we all buy Rhea hitting her finish on a guy because she's as big and powerful as she is. If Rhea came out there and hit one finish on 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 Seth mm -hmm. and then Dom gets the pin. And so basically Rhea mommy handed a world title to to Dom. I mean that I mean I don't yeah. think we I don't think we lose any faith in Cody or, or Seth or any of these baby faces, you know, whichever one you line up, you wouldn't lose any 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 faith in them. But right. you would have mommy just handing this world title to Dom. And then like after that, you have months of people just like, how can Dom squirm out of this one? I, I think there's a lot of potential there. I mean. Just Dom like calling himself the workhorse because of his origin story. Like, everybody knows you're only in this position because of Ray and whatnot. And there's so much nepotism in wrestling. I don't mind that at all. But Dom calling himself the workhorse that he had yes. to personally work, and it's his work ethic that got him here, would be tremendous heat. Yes, I would love that so much. It'd be so perfect. Uh, yeah. Um, well, let's we got we to gotta get to the last part of this show here, though. Us. Uh, so we get to Solo Sokoa versus Seth Rollins. Uh, the match goes until it stops when it's thrown out because the Usos come out. Uh, then the champs, the tag champs cut them off, and uh, the show ends before I can hear what Corey Graves had to say. Uh, Justin, this felt like a very 101 and yeah. yep. go home situation here. You took the words out of my notes, 101. Yep. Damien Priest is in, I assume, the main event in Puerto Rico against Bad Bunny. Mm -hmm. He has to win, look as strong as possible. Uh, don't know. How, I, I assume Bad Bunny's going to beat him. I don't know. We'll we'll we'll, we'll all do predictions. 
later in the week on social media and on podcasts. But yeah, Damian Priest absolutely has to be standing tall here uh, to, to finish Rumble. Yep. Um, any uh, takeaways, Alfred, from the end of the show? It felt, felt pretty straightforward. Not in a bad way. Just Yeah, I, I agree. You kind of paint by the numbers. You, you kind of knew that they were going to protect both guys. I really love they kind of put Solo Sokoa in position to be on his way to beat Seth Rollins. So more keeping him strong, using the spinning Solo twice, and they eventually got out of it. I'm not a fan of these types of finishes, especially because I think they do a lot with Solo and they don't want to beat him. And I think that it should be the exception that Solo wins most of his matches. And every now and then you could do that. But they're kind of taking liberties with this. But I have no problem. I'm very intrigued. WWE, and I think this is part of the Nick Khan effect, and I think it's only going to get better with Endeavor taking over. They've done a great job reinventing their live events into these experiences. And I think Puerto Rico is another show. We were talking about it earlier. It's a backlash, but it's a major show, and it's going to be a Saturday show, and it's going to have a UFC feel to it. And I can't wait. I, I'm telling you, I think it's so cool that it's going to be in Puerto Rico. I mean, it, mm-hmm. what a destination to go to, like, to, to see a show. Like, let Let's all go to Puerto Rico. We got the beach. We've got all the stuff that's there, plus a show. Like, awesome. Love it. Great. Well, pl- plus when you have the, the the biggest musical artist in the world who's from there, and you have him. And, oh, by the way, he's actually good. He doesn't embarrass you when he goes out in the ring. He's good. And then one of your thriving mid-card, maybe can push to the main event stars, Damon Priest, is Puerto Rican. Like, it's just, it's just it's marketing 101. Just line the pieces up, you know? Well, what's cool, Damian Priest is cool. Like, he's a cool wrestler. He's someone that if I'm watching wrestling and a friend who doesn't watch wrestling walks in and Damian Priest is on, I'm not like, oh, great. He's, you know, this yeah, is what He's six saying. foot seven. He looks like he'd kick your ass. He's, he's cool. So if they're, when they're showing these clips, which will probably be on TMZ or whatever after the show, it'll look like a cool thing. Like, oh, Bad Bunny beat this guy? That's cool. As opposed to if he beat, you know, someone who's yeah. not a cool person to have on the show you know um so uh in any case uh that was the go home show uh before we sign off uh alfred you're the guest so we'll let you go first here uh any final thoughts on the show and where can the world find you online uh, I thought it was a fine show. You know, three-hour Raws aren't always great, and you know the playoff competition is going to hurt it, but I thought it was a good go-home show for what I think is going to be a great show. You can find me at This Is Nasty on Twitter. Go on Forbes. I have an interview with Iron Mike Tyson himself. Ooh. He called Ooh. out Logan Paul. They're talking all that trash. I think WWE should make that match, and if they do, you know where you heard it first. Go on Pro Wrestling Bits on YouTube as well for the video version. That would be... That would get some tickets sold. Logan Paul versus Mike Tyson. Yeah, definitely everyone who's here, follow uh, Alfred at This Is Nasty. He's doing cool stuff. Justin, how about you? Final thoughts on the show. Where can we find you online? And because I forgot to say it earlier, everyone in the chat, out of 10, what'd you rank this uh, episode this week? Oh, I think the Saudis could flip the bill for a Tyson and Logan Paul match. Yes, that's what I'm saying, man. Yeah, buddy. I think they uh, could afford to get me in the ring with uh, my Tyson. <laughs> kind of money. Yeah. Oh. I mean, it's, it's worth it. <laughs> Talk about a generational clash. That would be yeah. uh, a generational class in boxing, and then two guys who love WWE. Exactly. Absolutely oh, love it. Tyson said he'd do it for free. So, all this Saudi money you're talking about, they might not even need it. <laughs> Ooh, it could be a Detroit SummerSlam attraction. Yeah. Uh, yeah, at Justin LaBar uh, across all the socials. Uh, I'm, I'm here on Monday nights, here on Wednesday nights after Dynamite, uh, Friday mornings on Busted Open, uh, Channel 156 with Dave LaGreca and Thunder Rosa. And uh, I don't know. I haven't got the word Saturday Night Backlash. I, I don't know which combination of us is going to be on. I might be on, but follow me on Twitter 
uh, I'll let you know. But uh, yeah, do the thing. Hit the follow button. Yep. And uh, you can find me at Real Jack Farmer across all social media. I will be at the United Wrestling Network Championship Wrestling tapings tomorrow. If you're in California, come on by. Otherwise, watch it on TV or YouTube, wherever it's playing in your area. Uh, thank you to everybody who is in the chat. Again, Tutgraph, Adam Staples, John Millard, Dream Realm Studios, uh, Arthur, Jason. We got Safit. We got uh, Ethan and Ricky and Nelly Belly and Jane and everyone else appreciate you guys so much like comment share subscribe all that good stuff and make sure to tune into the nxt after show right here on wrestling inc where you should be getting all of your news that does it for us and we'll see you next time you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours activities excursions and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.